with profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Heels podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And hello. Let me silence my phone while my husband continuously messages me. (laughs) It wasn't for him. I was silencing it for you guys. Yeah. He is is fine. He can be fine. He's supposed to be driving home anyways. He shouldn't be texting anyway, then. That's my point, is he shouldn't be texting right now anyways. I'm pretty sure he's packing up, so he's okay, because he's not driving yet. But regardless, he should be on his way home. And it's his fault that I'm ignoring him now. Also, he (laughs) knows that we're busy, so. Yeah. That's fine. Well, how are you? Uh, It's been a long week. Uh, I've heard only a little bit about it, but it sounded rough. Um. Well, the doctor, I think, finally got my allergies under control. So that was like more steroids and more antibiotics, stronger antibiotics. But, like, I I almost have my voice back. Everything's good on that front, except I can't hear out of my right ear. Don't know what that's about. But I'm just going to ignore it. Because that's the adult thing to do, right? I think so. It's like I I can kind of hear, but you know the, the, like... If you're not listening to anything, but you have one headphone in one ear, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, it's plugged. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking See, like ear infection or something. I'm already on antibiotics, so it should go away, right? I guess. If it were Cody, he'd be like, we've got to go to Sprouts right now and get those, the candle ear things. Those things terrify me. It feels like... A witch's spell. I don't know. Like, does that help? What does that do? I don't actually think they do anything. I told Cody last time that he needs to just burn one and see what happens. Like, if you just burn it not in your ear. Because he's like, no, 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 it's doing stuff. And I'm like, but are you sure? Is that just what it's designed to do, though? Is to melt and look like earwax? I don't know. And see, that's my thing. Like, how is sticking a candle in my ear and lighting it on fire, how is that scientifically going to help i don't know that it's going to i will (laughs) say uh i don't trust cody doing that because he's gonna burn something down yeah that's what it sounds like to me like just pure anxiety about flame near my hair and hot dripping wax i mean so they don't actually drip because it's like like a paper that's covered in wax that you burn okay so, I don't know. I don't think they actually work. Cody is convinced they do. So, every now and then I will buy them when I'm at Sprouts, which is not very often. Um, but Cody's convinced they work. I just clean my ears like a normal human being. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's usually what I do. But, like I said, this will be fine. This is the least of my worries. James had strep throat and we, knock on wood, did not get that. Thank God. Thank Cause he I didn't quarantined. know he had strap. Yeah, he um he he had a fever for like a couple days and he would take Tylenol and it would go away, but it kept coming back. And finally one night, uh it got up to 103 and he took some Tylenol, went back to sleep, and that morning I was like, Cool, 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 cool. Here's the thing. I made you a doctor's appointment. Be there tomorrow morning at 745. Figure out how to get there. I'm sorry. Like, I can't take you, but go to the damn doctor. 
And yeah, he tested positive for strep throat, <clears throat> which he had already been careful. But at that point, we were like, you're going to live in this bedroom. And every time he came out of that bedroom, he had Clorox wipes with him and just wiped up behind him. <laughs> you uh, was he have like a satchel, like a man purse with Clorox, Clorox wipes. You could just pull it out. Or a little no, he, <laughs> I should have done that. Actually, I might, I might need to look into that. Clorox, actually, no, not Clorox. Just us. We're gonna make that and market yeah, it. Yeah, and then we'll have it so that you could have any type of wipes in there. Yes, baby no, wipes. Fine. Oh, can you imagine for daycare workers like a tool belt with a baby wipe yeah. holder and perfect spot for diapers. Mm -hmm. A spot for candy. Here's your candy pouch. Yeah. Like, oh, you're I, crying? Here's a gummy bear. Done. Perfect. Oh, you're crying? Here. I don't know. Wipe your nose. Whatever it is. I'm not a daycare worker, <laughs> so I don't really know what they do. I mean, I know they look after children, but I don't know the hell they go through every day. So. Oh, I have no. Look, <laughs> I just pay the money and I tell them that because I know my own child. So I will I will pay you. And every now and then I try to bring like donuts or something and be like, these are for y'all, not the children. You know, they give them to the children. Hey, that's, that's on them. That's a lot of sugar and they're going to be the ones watching them. So maybe it's so that they crash. They're like first thing in the morning. All right. Cut up the donuts into little squares, deal it out to the children, let them crash. Okay. I know that they do not do that because one morning <laughs> Annie, uh, most of the time when she goes into daycare, she has a mouthful of like Wendy's seasoned potatoes, which are the best. Oh my God. Wendy's seasoned potatoes in the mornings, literally just a potato slice. Uh, she's either got those or like a cereal bar. There was one day we sent her after eating a peanut butter and jelly. And her teacher was like, What did you do to my baby? And I'm like, What are you talking about? And she, she was like, She was wired all day, bouncing off of furniture, like couldn't get her to nap. And I was like, oh, we may have given her a peanut butter and jelly for breakfast. And she was like, please don't do that anymore. Ever again. Yeah. They were like, we will cut you off if she does that again. <laughs> she was a good sport about it. Um, but like, I felt really bad because it did not like, did not even occur to me that, that I was. Your child would be a little hellion. Well, that occurred to me because that's just all the time. That's just who she is. But apparently she was really bad. So no more PB&Js in the morning. No more AM PB&Js. Uh, that's not allowed. How dare you? <laughs> All right. What about you? How have you been? Um, we're, we're hanging in there. Uh, stuff I don't, I'm not really ready to talk about um, mm -hmm. related to IVF. So y'all will just have to wait until I'm okay talking about it, which... It sucks for you. I don't know when that'll be. Um uh, <laughs> we're we're just surviving. Um I'm trying to think what happened in this past week. Did this week just feel like unnaturally long for you? No, but I was unnaturally annoyed at everyone this not even unnaturally. I was annoyed at all of my customers this week. They were all ticking me off. Really? <laughs> every <laughs> that's not true. It wasn't every customer. I had one customer that caused this and I was just they they caused this and it caused me to be irritated with everyone else because they are uncooperative and they are causing me so much stress so I am blaming them for my foul mood this week 
Um, I will say my team is apparently planning a an escape room that is Harry Ooh. Potter themed. Because oh. I, <laughs> this is how this happened. My manager had was sharing his screen and we were talking about a team activity because we can do it like, we can do like a bigger team activity like once a quarter. Okay. Um, and so we were talking about a team activity and everyone was like, escape room, escape room, let's do an escape room. Um, also, I do that because I know someone on my team is like, I don't want to do an escape room and it makes me want to do it so much more. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not, it's not her. It's me just being a jerk. Point is, is that, and part of it is because we ditched the idea of the escape room because of them several times. And it's like, yeah, but everyone else wants to do the escape room. Right. I kind of get anyway, that. Like at some point, like give in and be a team yeah. player. I think that's the point of this. Yeah. So Anyways, so he had his screen up for this escape room. Where is that? I don't remember. But he was scrolling through and all I saw was like Ministry of Magic. And I said, stop that one. We're, we're doing we're doing the magic one. And my friend, uh, she's like, yeah, I second that. We're doing the magic one. We're doing Harry Potter. So that's sometime in September. What day? I don't remember. I'm just here for the free ride to, to um, the escape room. Well, I'm excited for it. I've never been to an escape room and I've always wanted to. I've, I've been to one once, but it was me and one friend and we were stuck with a group of other people. And it was like, it just wasn't fun because it, it would have been better if we had like a group of people that we knew. Because it was like, yeah, we don't care about these people. Even though I'm like, here's your clue. That's why I've never been because I don't think I know enough people to go and like yeah. you know not be just like smashed in with some random people that i don't know yeah. and would not want to talk to see and i think that was the issue is even when we were like hey here's i think this might be a clue they were too busy i don't even know what they were doing so we just we have not been back um so when my team was like let's do an escape room i was like yes and then the magic one even though there was a tinkerbell one that i was really tempted to push for but i said nah never mind harry mm -hmm. potter sounds better I feel like Harry Potter would be an amazing escape room. But I feel yeah. like Tinkerbell would probably be a really pretty escape room. I don't know. I just, I'm here doing whatever I got to do to make it to the escape room. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, I have nothing exciting going on. So, um, are you ready for a story? Because I think you're going to hate it. I mean, <laughs> as ready as I'm going to be, I suppose. Sorry. Okay, well, before we do, um, we do post all of our pictures on Instagram, Facebook. It's not Twitter, it's X. It should be Twitter. They should just revert back to Twitter, but... Yeah, I don't... Yeah, y'all know how we feel about that. Okay, but now, what do you call it when you post on Twitter now? Because it used to be a tweet. I have no idea. That's a damn good question. <laughs> Is it an X? Is it an excerpt? He's not that smart. I, no. I don't know what is it is. Also, I know that this sounds like we're behind, guys, but we're not, actually. We just are recording ahead. Oh, my God. I almost forgot to tell you about my dad. I have one more story for you. Anyways. Um, oh, it's just a post. I guess it's just a I, post. I don't know. That's unoriginal. Go back to tweet and go back to yeah, Twitter. I don't like it. Anyway, your dad. Anyways, let me... I'll finish this thought. So, anyways, point is, put pictures, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter... Instagram, Facebook, Linktree, all those things. Hell on Heels podcast. Twitter is Hell on, I'm sorry. X is Hell on Heels pod. Um, we've got our Patreon, our Discord. 
um, Linktree is up and going. You can email us if you have suggestions, ideas, stories of your own, whatever it is, Podcast at gmail.com. And story about my my loving darling father who thinks that we are obsessed with his dog. I wouldn't say obsessed. It's because the last few episodes is we recorded when I had Dash. But to him, Uh it appears that we are speaking about his dog much later in time. So to be fair, now we are. (laughs) Well, this is because he brought Dashy up, okay? This is his fault. Which then I edited an episode last night and we spoke about Dash. And I was like, God damn it. I almost cut it out, except for that was our main discussion. But my dad texted me. It was more than a week ago. I just kind of ignored him and was like, you're wrong. Um, (laughs) But he texted and he was like, Dash should just be your guys' mascot. First of all, Annie's our mascot. Secondly, the other option for a mascot is a donkey on roller skates. Like, this doesn't work out with Dash being the mascot. Which, if I'm being honest... I kind of prefer the donkey over my daughter. Oh, I'm not. I'm not arguing. (laughs) So anyways, so he texted me on Friday and he just sends me this picture. The one that I sent, uh, I sent you of Dash smiling, but he's cut out like all the background. It's just Dash. And let me just tell you that dog. I don't care what anyone says. He is a cute little dog. Stinker. Um. And my dad says, just reminding you of your mascot. So apparently Dash is ready to be a backup mascot if we need him. But I would prefer a jackass in roller skates, which now that I think about it, now that I'm talking about it, Dash is a jackass. Let's just put him in roller skates. I'm going to need a resume first. I need to see a <laughs> resume. <laughs> okay, Dad, you hear that? We need Dash's resume. Yeah. So... Anyways, that's what I was going to tell you is um, Annie is going to have competition for our mascot, and it's Dash. Anyways, hey, send it ready? in. I'm open to it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't pay. Sorry, Dad. No. You would you would be paid in... Nothing. Yeah, I was going to say fame, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> You'll be paid in recognition. No, you won't. I'm sorry. You'll Dash be paid in recognition. Yes. You'll be paid in insults with the occasional compliment to, do- to the Dash. dog. Yeah. 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 We love Dash. He's just, the brain cells are not there. Something's not firing in that forge up there. There's a cylinder missing. It's off. It's not right. Yeah. There's something up there in his cute little mind that is just, it's just rainbows and butterflies and unicorns for him all day long. Dash is like my car right now. It's not running. <laughs> no, he is running. He's just not firing correctly. Oh, okay. For that too. Yeah. Neither okay. of are doing that either. <laughs> All right. Well, are you ready for a story? Yeah, I <clears throat> I suppose. So was that con- was that convincing? Well, okay. Amanda's hesitant because we were texting a little bit today. And first of all, here's the thing about true crime is none of them are great. Like none of our stories are like, oh, this was such like, it's, they're very interesting to listen to, but we also wish they hadn't happened. Right. Yes. Um, Because we wish people didn't suck as much as they do, but you know, whatever I know. And this is just one of those cases where it just makes me really sad. 
Have you ever heard of the Toys R Us killer or murder? No, I don't think okay. so. All right. Well, Larry Wells, he was born on September 22nd, 1977 in Dunkirk, New York. As a child, Larry was described as shy and a quiet kid. He's pretty reserved around others. But when Larry did open up, he was described as very warm, helpful. He was the type of person you could rely on. His sister described him as a big kid himself. He loved toys. He had a great personality. He loved the Yankees and the Bills and the Sabres and Ohio State basketball. And he just, overall, he was a really good person. Like, there was nothing strange about him. When Larry was just 15, he would meet his future wife, Jill Lucas. The two began dating, and they became nearly inseparable. Larry and Jill, they would go on to attend college after high school. Larry would graduate from the state college with a degree in elementary education. And then he would go on to earn his master's at Walden University later on. And that was in 2004 that he had got his master's. After he graduated from Walden, Larry and Jill would get married in July of 2004. I mean, high school sweethearts, ready to start their lives together, madly in love. And he would, Larry would start a job as a substitute teacher. Now, due to the instability of the job and his inability to find a full-time teaching position, it caused him to look in other places. Granted, he had only planned for other places to be temporary. He did want to pursue his career in education. That wasn't something he wanted to give up at the time. But that's how Larry would end up coming to work at Toys R Us. He would begin working for Toys R Us as he searched for a full-time position in the education field because it gave some stability to his family. Um, substitute teaching, I've looked into it because I did look at an edu uh, elementary education degree a long time ago and then people ruined it for me. Um, specifically, <laughs> the parents ruined it for me. But substitute teaching, you don't make a lot for one. And two, you never know when you're needed. You have to have availability. Like it's, there's not a lot of stability behind substitute teaching. So no, I get that. Usually it's like, it's not a main job. It's like a side job. Right. So Larry starts working at Toys R Us, but he quickly shows some serious dedication and it was noticed. Like he was a natural leader. He was very dedicated to his work. And he would move up the ranks and he would actually eventually become either the assistant manager or the manager at Toys R Us. One of the two. So Larry ends up working at Toys R Us for about six years. Kind of a perfect job for us. He was a big kid at heart. He loved toys. He was a natural leader. Like this job offered him and his family the additional financial stability that he was looking for, even if it wasn't what he initially intended. Yeah, it definitely sounds like one of those do-what-you-love type things. Right. So, by 2013, the family, they're living in Hamburg, New York. Hamburg is on the west side of New York State. Like, it's pretty far west. According to Google, it's a great place to live. Actually, according to Google, it was the number one place to live in New York, according to them. Oh, I mean, okay. I'm just going off of what Google tells me. It was less than an hour from Dunkirk, where he was born, so it's not a huge leap. He's probably familiar with the area. And I'm not sure when they moved there. I just know by 2013, they're living there. And in 2013, Jill and Larry had already had one daughter. She was four years old and they were expecting another daughter due in December, 2013. He was a very loving husband, a devoted father. And I've said it already. He's described as an all around good person. People loved him. 
Everything would change on June 29th, 2013. Larry would go into work at 4 a.m. that morning. He was there trying to help the night, night staff unpack stock, get ready for the morning, prepare for the store to open. Um, and he was described as one of those managers that treated you more like family. So people, even his employees, really enjoyed him. Like there was nothing negative I could find about him. He, and I wasn't looking either, but every article, it was just like, Larry is this really great guy. He's really incredible. Like he, he was always there. Just a really great person. Mm-hmm. You're really building me up for heartbreak here, aren't you? Yeah. So along with Larry, there are four other employees that are working that morning. So you have Cindy and Isaac, who either arrived before 4 a.m. or around 4 a.m., sometime between like 1 and 4 are the ranges I got for Cindy and Isaac. They had started working on unpacking merchandising. A a truck had arrived around like 4.08 a.m., and... Larry unlocked the door for the delivery driver. You could see him lock it. Like that's kind of how they operate is only the manager can open the door, but they always lock it behind you. They don't want people walking in. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, Larry, Cindy, and Isaac, they unload the delivery that came in at four in the morning. Truck driver leaves at about four 30 and Cindy, Isaac, and Larry, they're already hard at work, right? Soon another employee, Anthony, he would arrive to work at four 53. He had radioed Larry to let him in so he could start his shift, which was scheduled to begin at 5 a.m. And like I said, the manager is the only one with a key, so Larry had to go in and unlock unlock the door. So they had a system with a little walkie-talkie. They radio when they get there, wait for the manager, and he lets him in, locks the door behind him. And then you have Richard. He arrived a little after 5 a.m. to work. He radios in that he's there and have Larry let him in, but this time there's no response from Larry. Richard attempts to contact him a couple of times, no avail. So Richard, first of all, he's late to work. He's like, oh crap, I'm sorry. But he starts trying to open doors and hopes something's unlocked. And to his luck, the adjacent Babies RS store, they're connected. If you guys aren't familiar with Toys R Us, Babies R Us, first of all, you're too young. Secondly, they're the same thing. Um, But Anthony, or not Anthony, I'm sorry. Richard, he enters through Babies R Us. He clocks in and he just gets to work. He doesn't think anything of it. And now all the employees at this time, they're working in different parts of the store. They're just doing their own thing. They would communicate via radio as needed, but it wasn't unusual to not see the other employees. They all keep working until Isaac, uh, until Isaac and the rest of the team get annoyed. And that's because they hear an alarm going off in the store. And so Isaac radios Larry, hey, can you turn off this alarm? And this is around 540 in the morning. And he's asking Larry, can you please turn this alarm off? Like it's going off. This was kind of irritating. Uh, No response. He asks a second time, no response. So they think, well, maybe Larry just got pulled into a call in his office. He's not paying attention to the radio, has it turned down. So Isaac asks Cindy, like, hey, can you go check on Larry? Let him know that there's an alarm going off and there's there's also a door open, right? Like they had already discovered the door at this point. Yeah. Okay. So Cindy's like, all right, let's, I'll go tell him no big deal. Either way. I mean, Cindy heads to the office and she is horrified at what she finds. The other employees hear her scream and rush to the office as well. And here they find Larry slumped over from what appeared to have been a gunshot wound. At 5:47 AM, a call to 911 is placed by Cindy. Cindy explains to 911 that she's there to work. She just discovered her boss and 
believed that he had been shot and she didn't know who it was. They didn't really know what was going on. And there is a quick response and police and SWAT arrive, arrive pretty quickly. Police and SWAT, SWAT actually go in. First responders enter. First of all, they don't know if there's still a gunman in the store. They just know someone is injured. And so they go in. They're able to get to Larry's office. They do check Larry's heart rate. He's unresponsive, but he does have a faint pulse. So police actually pull him out of the store so that he can get to EMS. And then they police and SWAT finish the sweep of the store. They don't know if there's still a gunman in the store at this point, but they don't find anything. EMS quickly gets Larry into an ambulance and they just, they sprint to the hospital. And nobody heard a gunshot? Nobody heard anything. Okay. That's because EMS actually determined that he was not bleeding from a bullet wound, but Cindy misidentified stab wound. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, Larry would succumb to his injuries and he would be pronounced dead on arrival to the hospital. Officially, his cause of death would be due to severe blood loss because of the multiple stab wounds. They had discovered three stab wounds in his chest. Oh, my God. Yeah. Police began investigating immediately. There was blood all over his office, the walls, floor, his chair. Just There's blood everywhere. Police also find a hat in his office. They... They didn't really identify it as Larry's, and it was on the floor. It seemed out of place for police. So this was a black and tan 2007 Florida Gators championship hat. And police collect it in hopes of finding some sort of DNA evidence. Like I said, it looked out of place to them. It didn't feel like it belonged in the office setting. Um, I mean, it was on the floor when they found it. So if it was Larry's, there would be no point. It would be on, like, why wouldn't it be on the desk or in a drawer or something? And what state were they in? Were they in Florida? No, they're in New York. Okay, that's what I that's what I thought. Um, yeah, they're like way north. So even the it being from Florida is just kind of strange. Because you said um, he lived in New York his whole life, right? Yeah, but it could also, you have like college sports that people follow. It could have been someone that mm-hmm. was a big Florida Gators. Because I think that's college. I don't know if it's college. I don't know anything about sports. Florida Gators. You're right. They are football. Yeah, they are. They're intercollegiate. Yeah. yeah, they're college. So it's a college team. People follow college sports. A championship hat. I don't know. That's just, yeah. I don't know. That's just kind of strange. Like, I like Baltimore Ravens and NFL, but it's just always strange to see that distance covered, I guess. But like you said, they could have gone to college there. And I don't know, maybe it's a family thing. Maybe it was just a random hat they found. It, I don't know, right? But they find this hat, they collect it, take it in. And at this point, they're like, we just hope there's DNA on it. Like, we're just, we don't know. We have to just cross our fingers and hope for the best. And they don't find any potential murder weapons on the scene. They're, they don't see a knife or anything. So there's there's no evidence on that front, at least. But police would also turn their attention to the four employees that were there working. There was not any sign of forced entry, so it was pretty reasonable for the police to believe that this could have been one of the four employees that was there. It didn't look like anyone forced in. And according to police, each employee would have a different reason for being a suspect. Like, the, the police's reason for suspecting them. 
Cindy, she was working closest to Larry's office and she was also the one to discover him. So if there was anything to be heard, she would have been the one to hear it. Richard, he was late for work that morning. He was the last person to enter the store. He also had not followed protocol when he entered through the Babies R Us door. So that's for police that felt fishy for them as well. Okay. Isaac, he appeared to be nervous and evasive with police, but I, personally, I don't feel like that's weird, I guess, in the sense that he just found his boss. Like, someone right. that he, they liked, they were friendly. That could have been due to stress, shock, whatever. Yeah. And then Anthony, he just straight up refused to cooperate with police. He wouldn't answer any questions or anything. Um, there could be a lot of reasons for this. Could be stress, could be shock. Now, police, they had their suspicions. They didn't have any evidence, though, to point at who was responsible. But they did note that the store appeared to have a pretty dang good surveillance system. But the DVR plug in Larry's office had been unplugged. So they don't know if they have anything. But they do call in loss prevention manager Bernie Grusa. And at this point, police, they're just hoping the cameras caught something. And Bernard Grusa, he's there within 20 minutes. He was very cooperative with police. He was helpful. He he seemed very shaken. He had told police, like, he broke down crying at one point and told police that Larry was not just an employee, but a close friend of his. He's the one that had hired Larry for this manager position. And so he, he was struggling with this loss. So, of course, he's going to help with the CCTV footage and anything that the police needed for the investigation. So Bernie gives them access to the CCTV from the store and in the back of the store they see all the comings and goings of larry other employees people coming in coming out and they turn their attention to the front of the store and at this point they're like well why were the babies rs doors open and they kind of look through and on the cctv footage police they would see a figure appear so they can see the camera angle wasn't the best not if you could see a full body but you could see like legs, like a dark shadowy legs in front of the baby's RS, RS door. Okay. And this figure, they appear to Jimmy or force the door open on the baby's RS side. And the cameras follow the figure around the store and see him going like in and out of aisles uh, using, like he seemed very familiar with the layout. So the man or the figure that they see, um, see in the CCTV, it appeared to be a man. They were wearing dark clothes, dark sweatpants with some sort of lettering that went like up the side of one leg. Footage was too grainy to make out that lettering. They appear to be wearing a black and tan hat, um, which would match the hat that they had already collected for evidence. And the suspect also was wearing a scarf or a face covering of some sort, so they didn't get a clear picture at all of the face. And this is the picture of what you're talking about, the CCTV footage? Yes. It almost looks like he's wearing like a motorcycle helmet. I keep thinking that too, because it, to me, it does look like he's wearing like a helmet of some sort. Yeah. To me, that definitely, like when you said a scarf or something, I was like, ain't no way, because I see a motorcycle helmet. But I do too. But in other shots, it looks less like that. I think just how he has the scarf or face covering, it, it's bunched up and poking out weird. Okay. And maybe he did that on purpose. Who knows? Yeah. And in several shots in his right hand, there appeared to be a large knife. Now, the footage is very grainy, so not every angle was the best angle. 
but there were several several shots where I felt like I could see a knife personally. Um, maybe it's because I watched several documentaries on this, but even on the picture I added, I feel like I can see a knife in one of his hands. I can definitely see something. Like, you can tell there's something got, there. Yeah, there's something. And the way he's holding it is very, like, Just, telling. like, ready. Yeah. Yeah, like, he's holding it like you hold it. He's not, like, holding it down by his side. Like, it's like mm-hmm. he's got it pointed away from his body. and Right. Well, this person, they appear to be very familiar with the store, with camera placement. Like, they seem like they know what's going on. They're using shelves for coverage. And police also note that this person has a weird walk or a gait with them. They almost walked like they were bow-legged. Like, they they didn't know what was going on, but it was very unique. And they see the figure enter Larry's office. And then the video ends at 4.39 a.m. So is that when it was presumably unplugged? Yes. Yep. Okay. So police, at this point, they decide, let's collect the cord from the DVR in hopes of getting a DNA match or something off of this as well. Now, to police, the person appeared, like I said, they had knowledge of the store. They walked in, they went into this office where they knew the security system was and unplugged it. Like, they they knew very much what they were doing. So the police, they continue their investigation. But they don't have a lot. So they get DNA back on the hat and the cord, and they had a match to each other so the hat and the cord dna matched but the dna on the hat and the cord they didn't know who it was still there was no match in any system not the fbi not in anything so they they still don't know who this is well that's frustrating oh can you imagine just not know and knowing that this person is still potentially out there and still potentially in this store if it's a if it's a worker right Well, local police, they involve FBI, they get a profile of a potential suspect. So they kind of gather all this information and they think, okay, it might have been this man. So local police turn their attention to this other man and he had just been released from prison. He had been arrested. Um, During his arrest, there was a large knife in the car that he was taken out of. And the car that he was in had some sort of a connection to one of the Toys R Us employees. So. They're like, hmm, this is all very interesting. I mean, it feels like a good lead. It feels like a pretty good lead. So police and FBI, they start kind of following him and they find him. And at one point they see him discard a cigarette butt, like just out of a window into public. Hey, guess what, guys? That's that's free game. Like if you toss something you've touched in public, it's free game, guys. Yep. So they collect it. They test it against the DNA of the hat in the court. It was not a match. So they followed this lead and they're back to square one. So before they did all of this, they had asked Toys R Us for a list of employees and they had asked the employees for DNA samples because they're trying to match this. So they go back, look at this list, and they see all these employees that cooperated and none of them were a match. But after two months, they're revisiting and they know there's one person, one man on this list that oddly enough had not submitted a sample. It was one person? One person. And this person Boy, way to very, flag yourself. Right? This person had been very helpful to police. They were positioned, made them so that they were uh, in contact with police more. Police were giving them updates. And that was Bernard Grusa. 
Is that the, t- the, the asset protection person? That's the loss, the VP of loss prevention for the region. Yeah. Oh, he's the one that came. He was there showing police the CCTV footage. He's the one that had not provided. So someone that would know exactly where all the cameras and shit are. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So it seems odd to police that he was so helpful during the initial investigation and throughout actually all of the investigation, he was pretty helpful. But anytime they tried to contact this man, he had, he was busy. So why would this man who considered Larry a close friend not like willingly submit the sample? So they reach out to him and in their notes, it showed like um, an unavailable family event. Like he was sick. He had to do something with his kids. Um, He, they just had a challenge meeting with him. So anytime they requested the DNA, DNA sample, there was an excuse, right? I'm not available. My kids are sick. My dog ate my DNA, whatever it is, right? (laughs) So for somebody who was able to like, drop everything and be at work in 20 minutes to help. He seems really hard to get a hold of. Yes. So police, they reach out to him again. They're wanting to set up this face-to-face meeting with him. And he tells them, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm actually at a conference. I'm not available right now. And police are, they're getting frustrated with him a little bit, I think. So they actually reach out to Toys R Us corporate. They get in touch with his boss. And they're like, hey, look, we know he is at this conference and he's unavailable. But when he gets back, we really need to talk to him. And his boss goes, what? He's not at a conference. Oh. There's no conference. Busted. Did you, did he just put no thought into that? (laughs) I mean, he put some thought. He's like, if I'm out of town, they can't get my DNA, right? He's like, dang, I've already used the family emergency and the sick kids. What else can I do? Right? Like, he doesn't have any more excuses. Conference. Out of here. So, police are like, well, let's go to his home. So, they go to his home, and that provided to be a challenge because he was no longer living in his house with his wife. Uh, okay. Come to find out, that is because he was asked to leave by his wife. His wife had taken out a protection order against him. Interesting. According to his wife's reports in early June 2013, right before the the incident and the murder, uh, her and Gruska had Rusa had gotten into a heated argument. Some reports are mixed, but most of the reports state that something happened. He pushes past her, goes into their bedroom, locks himself in, and she hears a gunshot. So she rushes to the bedroom, gets in. He's laying on the floor. He's totally fine. He shot the gun out the window because he wanted to see if his wife really cared for him. So he caused her all this freaking panic thinking that he shot himself just so he could test her. How manipulative. What a giant man child. He needs help. and Professional he, help. He needs something. And on the flip side of this, I get irritated because he shot that out the window. And I don't, you'll see why I say this. I don't believe that he shot that down towards the ground. I wholeheartedly believe, like, I believe he just shot. He didn't care about anything else. He didn't care if he hit anyone. He shot it out. He wanted to test his wife. By the way, his wife had been diagnosed with breast cancer. So he can go fuck off. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So point is, she had a... A protection order against him. He was not living there. 
So police finally track him down and they find him at his father's house. So they go unannounced, by the way. They just knock on the door. And he might have maybe felt cornered, but they're like, we just need a DNA sample. Took 20 seconds is what they all said. Took me 20 seconds to swab his mouth and get the DNA sample. He did give it to him. Now, when they were at Bernie's father's home, they would also note that on his father's car, there was a Florida Gators bumper sticker. Oh, really? Very. Is it a coincidence that they had a Florida Gators hat in evidence, too? Probably not. So police go back and they test this DNA. And it's tested against the hat and the cord. And after over 100 days of investigating, police finally have a positive match. Bernard Crusoe's DNA was a match to the hat and the DVR cord. So police, they make another visit to Grusa. And this time they turn on their body cams for this interview that was done on October 16th. Now, I tried really hard to just find footage of just the body cam, like a YouTube link or something. And I, I couldn't freaking find it. It was driving me nuts. So instead, I have something to show you. It will show the body cam. This is actually from an episode of See No Evil. This is season 11, episode 17. But it does show the body cam footage. Okay. I think this is the right spot to play from. But if I have to pause and fast forward, I'm sorry. So for the rest of you, if you want to see it, you have to go and watch that episode or be smarter than I am and find the actual body cam footage. I just couldn't find it. Oh my God. Mike Trout. It's so good. Oh yes. I ha- There's a little bit more if you want to see um, his response to that on on the body cam but i wanted to pause for just a second okay first of all those officers played it so well they played that off so well there's one major issue it's actually a really big issue you've never seen the hat so for our listeners so what is happening is officers go first of all they go to his girlfriend's house let's remember he has a wife but they're at his girlfriend's house really confused about that i guess they could have an open marriage i doubt that from the sounds of it it sounded like he cheated on his wife quite quite frequently you know he doesn't sound like a good person so right so basically in that clip what happens is officers go to the house and they show bernie two pictures they show him one picture of the hat and one of cctv where it gives a pretty clear clear image of the suspect wearing that hat they ask him, do you recognize this? Do you think, have you seen anyone in the store wearing this? And he says, I don't. Bernie says he doesn't recognize it. And then they go on and they ask him like, okay, well, we got a DNA match on the cord. Who do you think we matched to? And Bernie says, you got my DNA off of that. And Without skipping a beat. Like he, he was did not ready. Skip. He was, re- he did not skip a beat. So he's like mine. And they're like, yeah, we got your DNA off that cord. and. I guess give him some slack here that not that he deserves it he is also over loss prevention yes he probably has touched that cord several times in his lifetime so it wouldn't be a surprise that his dna is on that cord right i mean to me it would still be kind of a surprise just because like how often are you touching the cord it feels like those cameras should be on all the time when i was right a manager at walmart I don't think I ever saw anybody ever touch those cords. I mean, valid, but 
But, you know, like if someone's going to work on him, it's going to be him. So at least, you know what? He's got a good excuse. I'll give it to him. He's got a point. I don't like that he's got a point, but whatever. So he tells officers like, yeah, of course I work with those cords. That's kind of my job. And so officers like, okay, whatever. But they go, you know what? We have one more. There's an issue. And it's kind of a big, it's like a major issue. You've never seen the hat. You've never seen that person. You don't know anything about it. How is your DNA on the hat? Boom. And his face, you just see the wheels turning. Like he's trying to figure out how to get out of it. Which I feel like if he was smarter, once they were like, your DNA is on this cord. Wouldn't you be like like me? I would be like, oh shit, where's my hat? They got the hat. If it's on the cord, it's on the hat. I'm already spiraling. But they showed him the hat first. Mm-hmm. So he knew that they had the hat, you know? Yeah. So how did you not know that this question wasn't coming? Right. Like, did you really think they weren't going to get a positive DNA match off of the hat? They got it off the freaking cord. Yeah. Like, okay, I want to show you the rest with his reaction, though, because he kills me. Oh, my God, he's annoying. So his DNA got on the hat when he looked at it. I guess so. I don't really know. That's how DNA works, apparently. Yep. You see something, you- and then you're just your DNA is just all over it. It's just so clear that he's guilty at this point, right? Like, oh yeah, the way he's acting, the way he is holding himself he's he's in a corner right now. So, listeners, I know we're just starting, but uh, or we're just going back and forth. But what has happened now? So, police confront him about the hat and the DNA match. And he's like, no, it's not mine. He denies it. He's like, no, I don't know how my DNA got on there. It's not me. I didn't kill Larry. How can you think I did this to Larry? Because at this point, he gets what they're insinuating. And one of the police, I love this officer because he's like, he's like, something, someone, something said about you need to get over it. And they're like, you need to get over it too. Like, you need to just own up to this shit. I love that officer. I don't know who it is, but they're my hero. <laughs> they seem to be playing the the classic good cop bad cop because you've got the one that's like that that's like yeah you need to get over it and then you've got the one that's like i feel like you made a mistake this morning and know, you don't right? want to make a mistake again tonight right so anyway so in the video you can just see bernard grusa he's uncomfortable he's getting very defensive police are just like it's you how else would your dna have gotten in there and he's like well i looked at it like no that's not how dna works so they do go on to arrest him at that point he does a lawyer up so they cannot continue their questioning so again i showed amanda those that clip that was all from see no evil season 11 episode 7 guys discovery plus like i don't know what else to tell you guys if you want to see this stuff discovery plus um, you can get Discovery Plus on HBO. I feel like Discovery Plus should sponsor us at this point. I love Discovery Plus. <laughs> I, I do too. Freaking love it so much. Me too. I Discovery Plus is the way to go. Anyways, so if you want to watch it, that's one way to watch it. I'm sure you can find other ways to watch it too. But police have confronted him. He knows he's a suspect. He claims he didn't kill Larry. He has no idea how the DNA is on his hat. He's ticked off. He's adamant. Like. He's just annoyed. So police arrest him. They do arrest him then and there. If I were to allow that continue, you would actually see them arrest him. But in one part, he even says, like, guys, I know the system. I know. You think I would have left that much evidence? And I wanted to punch him. Because I'm like, well, yeah, idiots get caught. Yeah. 
like sorry you <laughs> you you actually left all the evidence so <laughs> yeah playing dumb doesn't work so police they are able now to execute search warrants for bernie's home his father's home and his girlfriend's property so police find tons of items from toys r us in bernie's garage games electronics just anything with a value just tons of items in bernie's garage and they also find a camera that had an sd card in it they take that and on the sd card they find footage where it appears he had set up like a small camera in toys r us to kind of watch for employee theft all right fair could have been his job but they also find a home video that showed bernie's bow-legged walk the gate that it showed in that video matched the odd gate to the cctv and if you have ever seen someone with bow legs walk, their knees go outward more than forward, right? Yeah, it's and very. I, um, I don't, I don't know how to put it, but like when you see, like you know, when somebody has that walk, right? Like Cody is slightly bow legged, so I can actually kind of see that because his knees go out a little bit instead of straight, mm-hmm. but not to that point where that Bernie was, like his. But point is, is they see this video, they can see his, how he's walking. They're like, that's that's how the, the person walked. And in this video, first of all, in this video, I was very uncomfortable because there was an unknown person's feet just dancing on a desk. Oh, oh what? Uh, oh. What? What the hell like is they this were guy into? No, he was sitting like on a, like the person was sitting on a chair and their feet were up on the desk, just kind of like, dee, dee, dee. and I was like, put socks on that's anyways i don't know why that bothers me so i don't like feet y'all it was like off i don't either i I hate it but it was like off to the side it wasn't the main focus but you see bernie come into the frame you see his his walk and then i watched this and i went oh my god the pants in the home video he is wearing a pair of black sweatpants with lettering down the side (gasps) wow which is what police believe they had seen in the CCTV footage. They just couldn't make out the lettering. Wow, he really left all this evidence. <laughs> yeah, he really, he, he, yeah, I don't even know. But on top of that, police are like, well, why the hell does he have so much Toys R Us shit merchandise, like, just in his garage? I have a theory. Okay. He had been stealing for a long time, and he was found out. Yes. So they actually kind of noticed a pattern and they basically figure out that Bernie, he had been stealing merchandise from different Toys R Us stores in the region. This, I mean, think of this is a region. He is a regional VP of loss prevention or was. So this was the state of New York, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. So these three states, they saw this pattern and basically he was stealing items and selling them on eBay for a profit. So it was believed at the time he was responsible for 200K worth of theft towards Toys R Us. Dude really said loss prevention what? Like he, he's like, watch this. You guys suck at loss prevention. For real. He's like, he is the loss you should be preventing. Right. So he really, he used his role to really benefit him. Like, he he abused that position so badly. So, at first, he tried to plead not guilty. 
obviously, right? What he insisted he was innocent. But there would come a plea deal where he would actually plead guilty to first degree manslaughter, along with a confession of a couple other things as well. He he had to confess, of course, the murder, and I'll, I'll talk about other things. So he went into the store and he had the intention to rob the city. Rusa had well over $1 million of debt. So stealing from the safe would help him pay some of that down. Some of that debt included medical bills for his wife, who I mentioned earlier, had been diagnosed with breast cancer in 2008. So I, I already have a problem with this. He came in, or according to his plea deal, he came in to steal from the safe. Why did you have a knife? Before we get into the additional details, so he also had, like I said, he had a lot of debt. He lived outside of his means. Like he had a house that was worth like $450,000, which not a big amount, but dude only made like 90K a year. And I don't know if his wife worked. Like he lived well outside of his means. So Rusa had keys to enter the store. So he kind of wanted to make it look like he forced the door open to some extent. So he comes into the store through the baby's RS side. He sneaks through the store and he is somehow not spotted by any staff because they're good, diligent, heads down working, right? Mm -hmm. He made it to the manager's office and unplugged the cameras. Not long after the cameras were cut off, Larry would enter the office. He had planned to threaten Larry to get him to open the safe. He wanted this to look like a robbery. A struggle would ensue since Larry was not letting his store get robbed. He didn't want any of his employees harmed. And he was likely very fearful, even if he did what this person said, his employees would be hurt. There's a struggle. Larry attempted to pull the mask off of Grusa, according to his story. And during that struggle, Grusa would stab Larry Wells three times. And Bernie would take off after having stabbed him. He, and what's really sad is police did find the phone off of the hook. So Larry had attempted to oh, contact yeah. help, but was unable to. So, Grusa, he would also admit to possessing a gun while there was a restraining order against him. And he had to admit to stealing over $223,000, $223,000 worth of merchandise. I missed a word there, sorry. So, $223,000 worth of merchandise from Toys R Us. And he had to agree to pay this back in restitution. In July 2014, he would be sentenced to 25 years in prison, which is the maximum sentence for manslaughter, and five years probation. He also waived his right to appeal the conviction. So from how I understood this is he cannot do any appeals to be released sooner, anything like that. Like, he is agreeing that he will serve 25 years. So did he not get charged for the theft? Uh, that's part of the restitutions. So he had to admit to stealing that and he has to pay back in restitutions. I feel like he got away easy on that because if it's over 200000 that's a felony. Right. So I feel like he did not get what he deserved at all. It was a plea deal. Um, and part of the reason the plea deal was that way is because prosecution, how they kind of explained it was they didn't have intent to kill. They didn't have proof that he had the intent to kill because he stated he didn't plan to. He didn't intend to. Things just got out of hand. He just thought Larry would open the safe and give over the money. Okay. 
So even though he had a knife, it was more for show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which even at that, I'm sorry, but he stabbed this man three times, fled. First of all, let's just say he didn't even intend. Maybe he went and he was planning on opening the safe on his own, right? Like, mm-hmm. I assume he probably had access to it of some sort. He was a regional VP of loss prevention. He had to have some authority. Yeah. But he went in. Let's say he didn't intend for Larry to see him. Let's just scenario here. Larry comes in, sees him. Why couldn't he have made something up instead of fighting with him? Why couldn't he have said, hey, oh, I'm sorry, Larry. I was looking for something. Um, I was hoping it was in the safe. Or, hey, I'm sorry, Larry. Have you seen my badge? I haven't been able to find it. I've got the key. I just, I can't get my badge. Like, he could have made something up if that were the case. Yeah. At the very least, he could have acted like this was like some kind of surprise check and just be like, you know, not one person saw me come in here. Like, this is unsafe. He could have also said, do you know that the babies are us? Doors are unlocked. Yeah. Um, I came in just to do a quick check and babies are us is unlocked. Granted, it doesn't really explain like the face mask and the face covering. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But it could have been something. And while Larry might have thought it would be odd, may have reported it, it would have been Larry would be alive, right? Right. Or even let's say his intention was always to scare Larry into opening the safe because he didn't have access. He still stabbed that man three times and left him there to bleed out. At the very least, I feel like he could have dialed 911 and not said anything. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like if you dial and hang up or something like that, they're going to call back and they're going to usually they are pretty sure they always respond if they can't get. If they can't get a hold of somebody. Mm -hmm. So at the very least, if you really didn't want anyone to die, you could have just hit it and left it off the hook. Right. And even at that, he already had the phone. Like, all you had to do was dial three numbers. And Mm -hmm. then, please, right? Look, I don't know. I don't think he's a good person. I don't think anyone does. full of crap, and he got off easy. He did. I think he did. Even if it was a plea deal, I feel like it was skewed. Right. At his sentencing hearing, Jill Wells would speak. So this is Larry's wife. And this is a quote from her. We were supposed to grow old together. That's what we really want, to have him back. So, I, I mean, she, her and her daughters at this point, because she's now had a daughter that has never met their father and never will. Grusa is currently incarcerated at the Sing Sing Correctional Facility. He cannot be released before 2035. I hope he just rots there. I hope he hates life there. Yeah, honestly, I do too. Now, to help her girls cope with the loss of Larry, Jill and her daughters, they would write a note and tie it to a balloon and send it off to heaven. So, like, notes to heaven. Um, This inspired journalist Matt Chandler to write a book titled Balloons for Heaven, and the characters in the book are actually Larry and his family. Uh And the author donated some of the funds to Jill and her daughters. Okay, well, just destroy me. I always do. That part I found like very last and I was like I gotta add it but I'm gonna cry. <laughs> oh I just God. I think it's so sweet how she helped her, her girls cope and the mm-hmm. book um, Balloons, what is it? Uh, balloons Balloons for Heaven, yeah. Um, it is meant to help with coping and breathing for children. Uh, I obviously haven't read it but I did find it definitely made me uh, it brought a tear to my eye when they're like they actually based the 
the characters in the book the illustrator did off of Larry and his girls. Oh my god. So that is the story and the very tragic death of Larry Wells. Um yeah, I did hate that. Yeah, and I did include pictures of Larry and Jill and his daughter. Um, again, Jill was pregnant at the time of his murder, so he only met the one daughter, but he she was pregnant with another girl. Oh, I hate it. And he just looks like such a good dad in these pictures of him and his daughter. He was described just as such like a good person. Nobody understood why someone would do this to him. Like nobody. Because it's like we were saying, it didn't it, it didn't have to happen. Right. Like obviously we've got like these <sighs> different scenarios and <sighs> Mr. Jackass Brusa. I hope you saw my title of him because he annoyed I me. Did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but like you even have the picture of Larry in the cart at Toys R Us, like just a good he just seemed like such a good person do you know how old he is bernie he was gruesome he was 30 i believe he was 37 or 38 at the time so he'd be in his 40s right now so he'll at least be really old when he gets out yeah he'll be like late 50s cool okay i guess i can deal with that he'll be actually i think he might be 60 ish by the time he's out I guess I'll take solace in that then. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, I'm ready for your story. Oh, yeah, I know what your story is because I saw the picture. I'm stoked. Do you know what it is? What is it? It's the Russian sleep experiment. It's exactly what it is, yes. So, I've heard about this for a while. I wanted to cover it, and I struggled with how exactly to cover it, but I'll get to that at the end. So, first, I'm just going to tell you a story. Um, this experiment, it takes place in the late 1940s and Russian researchers, they took five political prisoners who were deemed enemy of the state during World War II and they subjected them to this experimental gas stage, gas-based stimulant that they had kind of been researching. The prisoners were kept in a sealed room their oxygen levels were monitored because they didn't want to kill them, to just outright kill them. I guess they wanted them to suffer. I don't know. The gas was toxic in large amounts. So they kept an eye on the oxygen. Uh, CCTV wasn't around at the time. So the room was outfitted with microphones and it had these porthole style windows with, they were made of one way mirror and they were, the glass was five inches thick. So I'm just thinking, like, these researchers are on a cruise and they're watching these people. Ugh, they're watching these people. And since it was one-way mirror, the researchers could see them, but the prisoners could not see the researchers. Now, the room was stocked with books, cots, no bedding. It had running water, access to running water. They had toilets, and they had enough food to last all five prisoners over a month and the first five days go by pretty normally considering the circumstances they told the prisoners that if they agreed to this test and they can survive 30 days throughout this experiment without sleeping that they would be freed this is a lie who's surprised 
I'm very surprised. How dare you? Yeah, exactly. Um, but since they were told this, they didn't really complain much in the beginning. The researchers monitored them through these windows and the microphones, and they noted activities and conversations. And they noticed that the prisoners started talking about traumatic events that they suffered in the past. And over the days that they were in there, they got increasingly darker and more disturbing after the fourth day of the experiment. So five days in, these people have not slept. The prisoners, this is when they start complaining about their situation, um, how they ended up there. Honestly, I feel like they made it a lot longer than I would have. Every time I get my prescriptions filled at Walgreens, it's at least a 15 minute wait, no matter if I go in or I'm in the car and like two minutes in, I'm annoyed. The people, they start showing signs of severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other, but they would take turns whispering into the microphones or at the portholes. And it kind of seemed to the researchers that the prisoners were doing this. They were doing the same thing without realizing it. So they all seemed to be kind of trying to win the researchers favor by turning on each other. So they would just be whispering over there like, uh, like, hey, I saw Bryce like use the bathroom and not wash her hands. So, you I'm know, do it again just to piss you off. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so the research, this is kind of what they were doing. They were just like selling each other out. And the researchers figured that that was probably an effect of the gas. Nine days into this experiment, one of the prisoners starts running back and forth across the room for three hours straight screaming at the top of his lungs that's so annoying mm -hmm. yeah like I, three hours straight just back and forth screaming yes. i'd be like look i already i haven't slept in nine days i'm fucking tired i've already got a headache and you're just screaming can you shut up um well he can because he did eventually stop screaming um, they said that he was still running back and forth, but only the occasional squeak would come out. And the researchers assumed that he had physically tore his vocal cords. So he could not make any more noise at this point. While he was doing this, while he was running back and forth screaming and then trying to scream, the prisoners did not react at all to what was going on with him. They just kept their paranoid whispering to the researchers until another one of the prisoners started screaming. And then two of the other prisoners, I use the word prisoner a lot because they went like back and forth from like test subjects and that's not, they're prisoners. They're, yeah, I was going to say they're yeah. prisoners. They're not. Um, but yeah, when the second man started screaming two of the other prisoners calmly started i'm sorry bryce tearing apart the books it's fucking stupid that's your only escape are the books and you're gonna tear them up like that's they, a crime in all of itself oh it gets worse are you ready they were tearing the books apart tearing they'd rip the pages out um 
smear their own feces onto them. Cover the mirror. And cover the windows. Yes. Mm -hmm. So just some nice little wallpaper. It's okay. Some stinky ass wallpaper. I don't want to scratch and sniff wallpaper like that. No, thank you. Oh, well, you got one. They got one. No, thank you. And then yeah. imagine they're going right back up to the windows and whispering into them. You are whispering your own shit, sir. No. <laughs> it's, it might not even be your shit. It might be someone else's. Yeah, it might be. Unless, the, no, like, I, would, I, would, I would be like, this is my window. This is my shit. You use that window. This section is mine. I yes. did this one. If I'm going to have to whisper it and breathe it, it's going to be mine. It's not going to be anyone else's. So not long after they covered up these windows, the screaming just abruptly stops. And then after that, they also stopped whispering into the microphones. So the researchers, they've got nothing. They can't see anything and they don't hear anything. They're just kind of hanging out, I guess. Like they're supposed to be taking notes. I don't really know what they're, I guess it's like 7 p.m. still no noise. I don't know. 7 p.m. No clue what's happening. Been six days. So we're at day 12 now. And these researchers, they're checking these microphones every hour. And even though they're not, they were working properly, they were picking up no sound. It's like strangely quiet because not just the whispering, they're not even hearing like movement or anything. The oxygen levels, they showed that all five prisoners were still alive, but they were using the amount of oxygen that five adults would use at a high level of strenuous, continuous exercise. So they're in there doing jumping jacks or something. And when they measured the oxygen, okay. they weren't using regular amounts. They you, were I using like, yeah. So they were doing something, but not hearing anything. They were just doing planks. Can you imagine just doing a plank for hours? Absolutely not. It would definitely stop I, me from sleeping. It'd stop me from breathing, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it would not stop me from breathing. It would, I would, I feel like I would breathe harder. I would be the strenuous exercise. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what they're doing in their plank because it doesn't make noise, right? You just mm -hmm. sit there. Granted, I know, I know the story, so I know that's not what they were doing. <laughs> Two more days go by, and on day 14, uh, the researchers are talking. They had previously decided before they even started this that they're not going to try to elicit any response from the prisoners. They're just going to let it go. They're going to they're going to stay out of it. Because um, at this point, they're like, eh, they'll, they might die anyways, right? Right. Yeah. And they wanted they it to be of war. Yeah. They had no intentions of letting them go. And they wanted to, their whole goal was to test this gas. So they didn't want to interfere with that in any way. But this, this morning, the morning of day 14 in this chamber, they decided that they were actually going to use the intercoms inside the room to try to get something because they were afraid that their uh, test subjects were either dead or vegetables. And that's a quote. So they announced into the room, we are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door 
and lie flat on the floor or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. And they heard a single calm voice respond, we no longer want to be freed. Microphones work, guys. Yeah, microphones are working just fine. You don't need to go in and test them. No. But you know they do. They have to. They just want to see what's going on in their curiosity at this point. Oh, they uh, they regretted it. Is anybody surprised? So before they do end up opening this door, the researchers and the military forces and the like higher up military officers and everybody that's over this whole thing, they're kind of at odds with each other on what to do in this situation. They tried to get more responses from the prisoners, but they were met with radio silence. So eventually they decided that on midnight of the 15th day of the experiment, they were going to open this chamber. I don't know why it's at midnight because they're not sleeping anyways, but uh, look. Is is that maybe just like how they're determining, 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 determining. There it is. (laughs) Got it. Uh, that's how they're determining like their halfway point so like it's been exactly halfway at midnight maybe that sounds better because I was like in my mind I'm like okay well military time at midnight is zero zero so it's it's a nice reset on the clock maybe maybe they were like military time do the reset on the clock it's a great idea not 2406 no no none of that shit just give me a good old Zero, 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 one. Wait, that would have been 2306. I went one too many hours. I knew what you meant, though, so I was just going to let it go. It's fine. I wasn't letting it go. I know my (laughs) military time, okay, guys? 2306. So at 2400 hours on day 15, the gas in the room was replaced with fresh air. And three different voices immediately began begging the researchers to turn the gas back on. And it was specifically stated that they were begging like they were pleading for the life of a loved one. So they meant it. When the room was open, the soldiers rushed inside to get the prisoners. And the researchers that are still kind of waiting around, you know, to see what's going on. um, All they hear is the room filled with the screaming of the prisoners. And then the soldiers started screaming because these soldiers were absolutely horrified by what they were looking at. I would be too. They ran into the room and they saw that the food rations, the food rations. Food rations. Damn it. The food (laughs) rations were basically untouched. Four out of the five prisoners was still alive. The prisoner that was deceased was missing chunks of flesh from his thighs and chest. And these had been used to block a drain on the floor. And the room itself was filled with four inches of a mixture of water and blood. And they were never able to determine how much was blood and how much was water. but. Um, that's some hella planks, if that's what they were doing. The four other prisoners that were still alive 
There's skin and most of the muscle, most of the muscle attached to the lower ribs have been torn off, exposing their lungs and rib cages. The heart, lungs, and diaphragm were all still intact. The abdominal organs, abdominal, abdom, abdominal, or, <laughs> yes, the abdominal snowman's organs. <laughs> no, just the <laughs> abdominal. Their abdominal organs and blood vessels had been removed and were laying on the floor surrounding the prisoners. Researchers and military personnel could see that all four bodies were actively digesting food. But you remember, they didn't touch the rations. Um, they ate themselves. That's right. It turned out that they had been eating their own flesh. They had been ripping it off and consuming it for days at this point. Researchers and doctors initially thought they had used their teeth to do this. But upon further inspection, they concluded it had been done by hand because they noticed um, severe degradation of skin and exposed bone on the prisoner's fingertips. And the placement of the injuries also meant that they were self-inflicted. At this point, all four of these prisoners, well, three of them, uh, the one could not speak still. All of the prisoners were screaming and begging them to turn the gas back on because they did not want to fall asleep. That was their, they were terrified of falling asleep. The soldiers who were there that day, they were all Russian special operatives. So these guys had been to war. They were battle-hardened, badass guys, right? Like they'd seen some shit. A lot of these soldiers refused to go back in that room and remove the prisoners. I the wouldn't ones, either. Oh, I wouldn't. I would be like, I'm just, I'm just AWOL. Y'all can just arrest me right now. Because that's where I'm, I'm telling you right now. I'm leaving and I'm never coming back. I'm not touching any of them. Um, <clears throat> some of the ones that did, they, they started trying to forcibly remove the prisoners. And they were not prepared. One soldier had his throat ripped out and he died by one of the prisoners. Another had his testicles ripped off his body and an artery severed in his leg when he was bitten by a prisoner. And five more soldiers were reported to have committed suicide in the weeks after. I wouldn't want to live with those images either. Mm -mm. No, I can't. This is. This is just. It's, it's half eaten it's zombies is what it is it's zombies it's half eaten humans one of the prisoners ruptured his spleen during the struggle and he bled out now the researchers they they tried to save him they tried to sedate him and they used more than 10 times the dose of morphine that an adult human can have and he was still described as fighting like a cornered animal he broke the ribs and the arm of one doctor, and he was said to have bled out to the point of there being more air than blood in his vascular system. And regardless of this, his heart still beat for two minutes after he bled out. And for three more minutes after his heart stopped beating, he was said to have screamed and flailed 
trying to attack anybody he could reach and saying more over and over again until it, he just gradually got weaker and quieter until he stopped saying it all together. More what, sir? I assume gas. I don't. I, I hope not people. I hope you're not like craving more destruction. No, they might be. The three remaining prisoners were strapped down and moved to a medical facility. So two of these prisoners still had their vocal cords intact. And they constantly, without stopping, they begged for gas and demanded to be kept awake. One of these prisoners was said to have been the worst, the most injured of the three. And he was taken to the operating room in the facility. They only had one. So they have to do this one at a time. They were attempting to put his organs back in his body, but he was immune to the sedative that they were trying to give him, so they couldn't put him to sleep. When they brought out this anesthetic gas, he started fighting again and thrashing about. He almost tore completely through a four-inch wide leather strap that was securing a wrist to the table. And while he was almost busting out of this, you know, big, thick leather strap. There was also a soldier using every bit of his 200 pounds to hold this man's arm down. So they just feel like, it feels like bath salt strength. Like, you remember bath salts from back in the day? Yeah, but it feels worse than that because, like, they shouldn't have the energy to do that at all. No. So maybe like a mix of bath salts and meth. I don't know, but it's, it's awful. It sounds horrible. So they claim that it only took a little more anesthetic than usual to sedate the patient, which is still just wild to me because I, it shouldn't I've been, take yeah, like much. I've I've been sedated a lot, and it's like you taste it and you're asleep. It's gone. Like what? How long was it? okay? Should not you take can that taste much. it? I don't know that I've ever tasted it. I've never been given gas, but I taste like metal. Like it just tastes metallic. That's the only way I know how to describe it. Because I asked and they were like, yeah, that's normal. You won't taste it for long. And I was like, I don't think that's. And then I was asleep. Yeah. About that. I. Okay, go on. So it took a little more anesthetic than usual to sedate him. No sooner than his eyes fluttered and closed, his heart stopped beating. And the, later on, when they were doing the autopsy, they found that he had three times the normal level of oxygen in his blood. In his struggle to be sedated or not be sedated, he had broken nine bones. And most of the breaks seemed to be from the sheer force that his muscles exerted on his bones. Which is terrifying. It's like... It's like they say, you know, you only use so much of your brain. And it's like he tapped into that or something. It was just like going ham. I don't know. I just hate this whole thing. The muscles that were still attached to his skeleton, they were very badly torn. If they were still attached. So at this point, I just, I guess the researchers are like, thank you, next. They have a job to do. Like, I don't, I don't know. This is wild. Moving but, on, what else are they supposed to do? Exactly, they got they got two more here to worry about. 
So they wheel in the next worse off prisoner. And this is the one that had started screaming first and tore his vocal cords. Since he couldn't communicate, he was said to just shake his head violently back and forth when the doctors brought the anesthetic gas near him. And there was a nurse that suggested, like, why don't we just do this without anesthetic? Which is, uh, I mean, it's sure. Insane. Yeah, why not? You've already gotten them this far. Um, but when she mentioned that, he started nodding his head violently up and down, like, yes. And no, sir, I'd be like, no, definitely not doing that without anesthetic. <laughs> no, he wants it. We're not doing it. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, they were like, they were like, yeah, let's go. That, that's not true. They were reluctant, but they did do it anyway. They, so he had no anesthesia for the surgery. And this surgery took roughly six hours to replace all his organs, all his blood vessels. And then they attempted to cover them with whatever skin he had left. The man was said not to react at all through this entire surgery. And there was one nurse who was described as terrified. I feel like that's not strong enough for what I'm about to tell you. I feel like one nurse is not true. Like all of those nurses and doctors were terrified. Okay, fair. Very fair point. But this one in particular, I don't think that's a good enough adjective for her. <laughs> this one nurse claims that every time he made eye contact with her, he would smile at her. Oh, no, hell no. No, I'm, I gotta go. The surgeon that was over the surgery, he was said to have mentioned multiple times that there was no way it was medically possible for the man to still be alive. Uh, duh. As they finished the surgery, the man looked at the surgeon and he started wheezing and the surgeon could tell that he was trying to talk. And so the surgeon was like, oh shit, like this is, you know, this is probably gonna be something really important. Go get him a pad and a pen. So they do, and the man writes two words <laughs> on the paper and gives it to the surgeon. Keep cutting. Nope, I'm done. But yeah, yeah. The other man was given the same surgery, but he was given a paralytic. Um, once it took effect, he could only follow the attendants with his eyes. That feels worse. That feels so awful. That feels so much worse. I don't me. want to fill your eyes on me at no. all. Well, if it makes you feel any better, it didn't last long. It said that it only lasted a very strangely short amount of time. And as soon as he could speak again, he was asking for more gas and he was fighting against his bonds. Uh, the researchers, they tried asking this man, because this is the last remaining man that can speak, why he wanted the gas again and why they had ripped out their own organs. And the only reply he kept giving him over and over again was, I must remain awake. He's like, mind your business. Yeah, like, y you did this. I have to stay awake, sir. Ooh, so the prisoners, after their surgeries, they were restrained again and put back in the chamber, probably because the one, you know, his wrist was almost out. They put him back in the trainer. 
And they're the Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in the chamber. <laughs> and the researchers and the officer, they're they're at odds again here. Because the researchers, they're considering euthanizing the final two prisoners. But this ex-KGB commanding officer, he ordered the gas to be turned back on in the chamber. And the researchers are apprehensive, but they don't really have a choice. This is a military. You do what you're told. Mm -hmm. And so the prisoners were hooked up to EEG monitors. They had their restraints padded. Which I found interesting because, like, what it it said that they padded their restraints because they were going to be in there for a while. So, like, what do you want them to be comfortable? What's the point of this? Uh, maybe they didn't want them to as easily break a bone and slip out or something. I guess I don't know. That was just odd to me, but maybe you're right. Uh, I don't know. That's just one thought. Yeah, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not sure. I didn't go to school for that. I'm just here. Now, as they're getting them ready and like, you know, hooking them up to these monitors and once the prisoners, the remaining prisoners found out they were going back under the gas, they stopped fighting. They were like, restrain me. This is fine. Uh, the only They were only fighting to stay awake. And it said that they were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. The man who still had his vocal cords intact, he was humming loudly without stopping. And the man who was unable to speak, he was focused on straining one leg and then the other against his restraints. And he was also said to be holding his head up off his pillow and blinking rapidly. Don't Morse code at me with your eyes. Do not. Yeah. No. No. Number one, I don't know Morse code. So just, uh, you know, we're screwed here. You're not going to get any help from me. I don't understand. He was the first of the two to be connected to the EEG. And the, the researchers were just baffled at the results. Because it would be pretty normal most of the time. But then it would just flatline unexpectedly. And they said it was like he was suffering from brain death over and over again. And then it would just go right back to normal. So as they're like, I don't know, reading these results, I'm imagining the doctors just pouring over this paper coming out of a machine. Um, as the doctors are reading this, one nurse was watching the patient. She just so happened to be looking at the patient. And she claimed that he, his eyes shut as soon as his head hit his pillow. His brain waves changed immediately and showed that he had sleep slipped into a deep sleep. His heart stopped the same time the EEG flatlined for the last time. So the last remaining prisoner, the one that could speak, he was begging them at this point to shut the door and turn the gas on. And they noticed that his brain waves had started showing the same flatlines that the other man's had. So the commander gave the order for the room to be sealed with both prisoners and three researchers inside. Why are you putting the researchers in there? I guess because you lost the other three prisoners. So he had to replace them. But yeah, he was basically like you, you and you get in there with them. Shut the door, turn on the gas. That's not fair. 
Those guys uh, are like, well, that's well, what... I was following instructions. What do you want me to do? If I'm in here, who's reading the EEG, sir? Probably the doctor out there that's already reading the EEG. <laughs> so one of these researchers, he felt the same, probably all of the researchers, but one in particular, he felt the same way that you did. And he immediately drew his gun and shot the commander in between the eyes. He's okay. like, this ain't happening. You don't tell me what to do anymore. Don't tell me how to live my life, okay? And I'm not living my life in this chamber with them. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Don't tell me how to end my life. So he then, <laughs> after he shot the commander, he shot the man whose heart had stopped. He shot him in the head. And as the other members of the medical and the research teams are running out of this chamber. Because nobody wants to be in there. Not a single soul. I don't know. It was unclear how fast this happened. But how did y'all stick around long enough for him to shoot somebody? I would have been gone when he was like, you, you, and you stay here. I would be like, oh, well, y'all got the short nose goes. See you later. <laughs> you didn't do it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so he turns the gun on the last living prisoner. And he says, I won't be locked in here with these things. Not with you. What are you? And this, oh, this part just gives me the chills. It was reported that the prisoner smiled at him and responded, have you forgotten so easily? We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all, begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot thread. Tread. We cannot thread. They just, they, they've tried, they just want to sew that button and they just can't get it. They're just trying anything at this point, okay? That they, threaded needle. Up until that, that last thread there, like, that really kind of reminded me of the Axeman of New Orleans. Like, how eloquently put that is. Go to your nocturnal haven. No, I don't like any of it. Nope. Oh, I'm going like, to love... sure use that. Like, I'm not going to bed. I'm going to my nocturnal haven. I mean, valid, but I'm not using it because I'll have nightmares every time I do. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, um, the researcher shot this man. He paused for like a split second, probably having to uh, process what the hell he just said. And then right? he shot him in the heart. So I guess he did decide to euthanize him. Um, he was like, oh, we don't have time for this. Uh, we don't have time for riddles right now. Okay, guys. Yeah. Needles, by the way, aren't working. So I'm going to just do this. I'm, I'm going to do this the gruesome way. You know what? We have so many options, guys. And this is what we're, this is the option I'm taking. Yeah. This is the one I'm working with. Pause for a second. He shot the man in the heart. And as his... EEG flatlined for the last time, the prisoner just barely choked out so nearly free. Hate it. So oh. I, I wrote so sorry to tell you this, but I'm really not sorry to tell you this. This story is not true as far as we know. It's uh, a story that was published to Creepypasta Wiki. That's what the page is called now. On August 10th, 2010 by Orange Soda. And as far as I could find, we don't know who 
the person is that posted. All we know is that their name was Orange Soda. I don't know why, because this person should be writing movies and shit. Oh, for sure. I've heard this. So, like, I know that this isn't, I knew this wasn't a real story. And I knew it was mm-hmm. a creepy pasta, but it gets me every time. It's, it's just so, it's so eerie and I absolutely love it. And I think the reason it's so, because this is, um, I mentioned it later on, but it's said to be, here it is. It's considered the greatest and most shared creepypasta ever written. And I feel like it's because it does get a little exaggerated and dramatic at points, but I could believe this. Yeah. Like you've got the research and like the story about like the background. Like I couldn't really like knowing what I know about this and what people need with sleep and all of that. Like, don't believe that it happened unless there's like a demon like in my mind because you're so tired sleep demons are just taking over your body Mm -hmm. and i hate that i hate it to me it has like an air of truth to it because because it's during one of the world wars you know it's it's we know that happens. We know it happens in war. Probably still happens now, and we just don't know about it. But it's oh, it's so uh, very well written. Okay, oh my gosh, and this story it took off. There are multiple movies, plays, novels were inspired by this short story. Uh, just to name a few of them, in 2019, Jeremy Bates wrote a new wrote a novel called The Sleep Experiment, and it was very closely based on this original story. And then there was a movie directed by John Farrelly that was released in November of 2022, also based on this. I got to go find that because I did not know that. I haven't heard about that story or that movie. I feel like I should be watching it. I don't know why I didn't involve the name or include the name in here, but I'm going to go find it. Um, many news organizations they covered this story, and not like. You know, you're not going to see it on the news, but like Snopes and news.com.au, they both tracked this down and I guess basically had to tell people like, hey, y'all calm down. This is, this is from a creepy pasta. It's not and real, guys. Yes, please, please chill, chill your beans. And Bryce, you may be excited to know that uh, the picture that is most commonly shared and associated with this story, you can own one yourself. It is a life-sized animatronic Halloween prop called the Spasm. It is manufactured by Morbid Enterprises, and it was sold in Spirit Halloween stores for the low, low price of $149.99 between 2005 and 2008, and it can be found online from 2009 to 2015. The fact that you think I'm going to buy one of those, you're insane. First of all, Halloween. I would love more Halloween decorations, but I want them to be gnomes. He can, no. I was going to say he can be a gnome, but he's. No. That is an insult to all gnomes everywhere. Even knowing that, like this, you know, even knowing it isn't real and knowing what the picture is, it's still just so creepy. It's so, like. To me, I think it's the idea that, first of all, someone was able to write that out. Like, that came from someone's imagination. Secondly, it's 
creepy because like prisoners of war we don't know what they really go through right mm-hmm. unless they get out alive and can try to share their story but like they are they undergo some crazy shit so for me it's like that the fact that someone could have thought oh yeah here's this gas let's see if it keeps everyone awake for 30 days and see what happens like someone would do it yeah like i feel like that's completely believable and that movie by the way is the sleep experiment um it doesn't really seem like it it got great reviews but you know what i'm gonna watch it anyway since Maybe I'll let you know. Oh, I'm still going to watch it. You said The Sleep Experiment? Oh, for sure. The Sleep Experiment is by John Farrelly. You can watch it on Tubi for free. I'm sorry. I have to um, Google on my phone, and I don't know how my phone works yet, so. (laughs) IMBD, it's rated 4.6 out of 10, and Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 55%. Oh, not great. So it's it sounds fine. pretty it bad, included. But... It says it's included with Prime Video. Oh heck yeah! I don't know if it actually well, is. That's another place. It... Let me Google. That's another place you can watch it. Oh, I'm not logged into Prime on my phone. Prime Video. <laughs> what is there one at gmail.com? Ooh, what would be my password? Perfect. It's on YouTube. The Sleep Experiment, full movie, John Fairley. It's about an hour and a half long. I don't have YouTube on our PlayStation, so. Um, I'm sure there's a way to get it. Well, that's why I'm trying to get Amazon Prime to work. (laughs) Like, get your shit together. What do you mean? What the hell is my Prime? Oh, there it is. (laughs) I was struggling. Okay. I don't want notifications. What was this called again? The sleep experiment. The sleep experiment. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's been Googled quite a bit. Yes, it is included with Prime. Okay, so guys, you got Tubi, you got Prime, you got YouTube. Why haven't you Three. watched it yet? Why haven't we watched it yet? Maybe we should do a watch party. We always talk about doing watch parties. Oh my god, we've talked about doing a watch party for like three years now. <laughs> yeah. Since episode one. <laughs> yeah. So two Technically years since before. True. It's true. We should do a watch party. Yeah. What we should do is we should do a watch party and not tell anyone what we're watching. Ooh. Just organize like it. Our listeners, if you want to join, maybe we'll let you join. We don't know because <laughs> you might you might spill the beans on what the watch party is. Um uh, <laughs> But maybe we'll get our group of friends. We'll get Tito and and maybe I will convince Nia. I mean, won't convince Nia. She's too busy for us. Um, don't yeah. tell James. I won't tell Cody. And we'll do a watch party. That sounds, I like this idea. Done. Done. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to Helen Hills Podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Helen Hills Podcast. Twitter or X at Helen Hills Pod or Facebook by searching Helen Hills Podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Helen Hills Podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platform. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for our patrons. 
If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or just words of encouragement, please email us at helenhealspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell or force your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye.